Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Well, hello. Uh, it's our usual Monday show. There is no usual Monday show, but there's a show, kind of show that we've been trying a lot lately. I think partly because I really like it. Um, it's almost feels a little risky compared to what we typically do. Because typically, I mean, you know, the public radio formula, not that there's a formula, but, uh, and we'll be talking about formula later on too, but um, the public radio formula is you pick a topic, you find some really smart guests to talk about the topic, you ask them a bunch of questions. That's the show, right? I mean, it's most public radio shows. It's a good formula, too. It really works well. So, of course, what do we do? We mess around with it. So what I've been doing a lot lately on Mondays is not booking any guests so that I can take calls. And what I've been doing most recently lately, if that makes any sense, is, I don't know, I kind of tried to, well, Hermann Hess uh, at one point said, uh, uh, later in his life that he'd stopped looking uh, to the outside uh, and instead was listening to the whisperings of the blood. So I'll go with that. I, I listened to the whisperings of my blood over the weekend and I, I tried to figure out what, you know, what is it we really need to talk about? What is it that I think we really need to talk about? And I don't listen exclusively to the whisperings of my blood. I also look at what's going on out, out in the world and what transfixes us and for what reason. So I had a little bit more trouble than usual this weekend knowing what it was that we needed to talk about today. But I think I've got it. And it has to do with the notion of America first. But I have a sort of winding path that I need to take to get there. However, I will already, just in case you might have already read the Facebook post, you might already know where I'm going. Uh, but I'll give you the number, 860-275-7266. So. Like everybody else, I've been very transfixed by this Thai cave rescue. And as you may know, apparently, I haven't looked for about an hour, but it did seem as though they got another four kids out of this cave. So they're down to four kids in the coach. I do sort of wonder, I mean, if they're doing four at a time, I think it's leave the coach in there, you know, and he, like, he has to wait an extra night or something. But, um, but we'll find out. Uh, I don't mean to laugh because it's a very serious thing. And it's so far a miracle, really, that they're getting these kids out. It's, it's incredible. Um, but why are we looking at it? Why are we transfixed by it? What does it tell us about ourselves? I guess that's where I begin. I mean, I think a story like this it reminds us that we really are all connected. We can empathize with and understand the plight of children who are not American children. And at least for a moment, I think everybody drops this America first thing. And, and I mean, you know, look, if you had, if you were a, a cave rescue person, a highly skilled cave rescue person, you'd already be over there, right? You wouldn't care that it was Thai kids or which whose kids it was. You'd be if you had some skills, if you specialized in cave first aid or something, you would have you'd be on a plane. You would have been on a plane a long time ago because at some level we get that we get that we're all one human race. And then in other ways that we other ways we don't. Um, I'm going to get from here eventually to the U.N. breastfeeding resolution thing. But 
let me just go a little bit on about this. Now, there are reasons why a story like this gets the kind of attention that it gets in America. Um, one of them is that there's, a, well, first of all, there's, there's some recognizable American elements to it, right? It's a soccer team, a kid's soccer team. In America, we know what a kid's soccer team is. We know kids on soccer teams. So, I mean, if we're uh, 12 kids who's, you know, who were working on their parents' fishing boats, I, you know, it's not that we wouldn't care that they were trapped in a cave. Uh, we might not, there might, so and bear with me on these little subtleties. It's not that we wouldn't care, but we, it might knock off, you know, I don't know, 10% of the fervor about this. There's a way in which Americans tend to care about things they recognize. So they recognize this, kids, soccer team. You can imagine your kids, if you have kids on a soccer team, being trapped in a cave and what you would want to have happen. So there's that. There's also, I don't know if anybody else has remarked upon this, there's sort of a Jungian quality to this whole story, right? I mean, in order to to be rescued, human beings have to recapitulate symbolically a birth experience. They have to go from where they are right now, which you can sort of say is kind of womb-shaped, and they're not going to have to go through a difficult set of passages, passages where in some ways there isn't really quite enough room for them to get through. They're going to have to make their way through this to the outside world. So there's a re so I mean look there's children in peril all over the world. So one reason we care about this story also is it kicks a certain um, atavistic trigger in us. This is a a folk legend that we could understand. You know you're you're trapped in one place you need to get out to another you have to get through a passage. So we understand that too, um, and so I mean it's good it's good that we have those things. I, I should also say. Just to put it like a little different kind of spin on it, um, in fact, children in Thailand drown all the time. They drown a lot. Thailand, although it has a lot of coastline and an aquatic level of commerce, for some reason or other, there is no tradition or culture of learning swimming or water safety. And it's been this gigantic problem in Thailand for a long, long time. I mean, it's not just these kids on the soccer team who don't know how to swim. Kids in Thailand kind of don't know how to swim. Who knows why? But it's just, and so it's been part of a national initiative there to see if they could do something about this. But they're making slow progress. And so depending on whose statistics you believe, if you believe the government statistics, still like two kids in Thailand die every day because they drown because they can't swim. Or it could be a lot more. There are NGOs uh, who are addressing this problem, this very specific problem in Thailand. You say the government downplays the statistics. It's probably more like five or more uh, kids die every day uh, in Thailand. They drown. But, I mean, obviously there's not a storyline that we can attach to that. So in some ways I feel like we – we're good at manipulating ourselves. We have news organizations that are good at manipulating us and getting us interested in a story. And so that can misplace our priorities. But it's still a good thing. You know, it's even though there is manipulation and even though there's perhaps disproportionate interest placed on one small group of children in a world where children just live in peril and die all the time, it's still good for us to, to care about some Thai kids. Because as you know, we're going through a national period of reckoning about this. To what degree do we want to feel connected to the rest of the world? And to what degree do we want to feel, yeah, America first, let's take care of ourselves, then worry about everybody else if we got anything left. 
Um, we tend to use resources in a way that doesn't really leave a whole lot. But um, but yeah, as far as that goes, put up a wall, ban people at the airports, uh, concentrate our efforts uh, on our own existences. I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's not there in any world religion, right, that you should care about a particular nation. I mean, nations are artificial creations by human beings who decide that they're going to band together around uh, a set of geographical borders and pursue certain interests and maybe even some principles and ideas that are different from other nations. But there's nothing kind of eternal about them. You know, I mean, the Habsburg Empire was a big, big, big freaking deal in the 19th century, and it's gone. <laughs> it's gone a long time ago. <laughs> so, I mean, these things, they come and go. They're not forever. There will come a time, believe it or not, before the end of the world, where there's not a United States of, of America. I can almost guarantee you that. So, so unless you're going to buy into the idea that America really is a shining city on a hill, that we have some special covenant with God that makes us exceptional— a lot of this America first stuff, it rings a little hollow, particularly when you look at those kids. Like, why shouldn't we care about those kids trapped in that cave every bit as much as we care about any kid in any kind of jam here in the United States? They're all just kids. All right. So um, I'm going to put out the number one more time. We have some calls already. Uh, we like to hear from women in particular on these shows. Not, it's not that we like to hear from women in particular. It's that women typically are less likely to call talk shows. Um, and they should not feel as though they shouldn't. And once we get them going, then inevitably we get lots of women callers. So I'm putting that out there right now. The number is 860-275-7266. So the overarching question that I have is, how do we balance those two things? I mean, you're always going to have some level of nationalism ev anywhere, everywhere. I mean, France probably has some version yeah, I mean, even when the Le Pens aren't around, even Macron's France probably has some version of France first. I mean, that's why we have a nation. You know, I mean, it's, it is going to take care of its people. It's probably going to priori prioritize some of its interests. But to what degree does that become an over an overarching theme and a theme that overwhelms other themes? And, and I mean, I would argue that right now that whole sentiment here is out of control and, and it shows up not merely uh, in in a focus on American interests, but in a kind of disdain for other people's interests. And there we weave in the story of the breastfeeding re resolution where the uh, one arm, the uh, World Health Alliance, I believe it is, of the U.N., uh, was trying to put out a it was coming from Ecuador, I guess, um, a, a revolution, a resolution saying that breastfeeding is the healthier and preferred way of feeding uh, infants, and which seems like a pretty anodyne idea. But um, but suddenly there was this unexpected uh, U.S. resistance uh, up to and including a kind of threatening of some of the nations that wanted to participate in this resolution, which appears to be due to the backing of U.S.-based companies that make a lot of money from infant formula. Um, and I just, you know, I, it turns out not to matter. I mean, first of all, it probably doesn't matter anyway. It's a U.N. resolution. I don't know what kind of force that would ever have. Uh, and then it doesn't turn out, <laughs> it turn out to matter because Russia... <laughs> <laughs> Russia decided that they were going to sponsor this thing. They were going to back this thing. And, of course, as you know, we are prepared to do all kinds of uh, things and uh, snub all kinds of uh, uh, democratically elected leaders and turn our backs on well-established world democracies. But we don't say no to Russia these days. So if they, you know, if they want to say breastfeeding is great, 
And obviously, you know, I mean, one of the ways that uh, Putin has endorsed this is by spending much of his public life shirtless. Uh, if they want to say that breastfeeding is great, we're going to go right along with it. But I mean, once again, what are we doing bullying countries about breastfeeding? Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to go to the phones here. The number 860-275-7266. I'm just going to start at the top and work our way down. We'll see, we'll see what's here. Uh, here's Andrew in Middletown. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, Colin. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to call in to say that I'm really disappointed with uh, America's current standing. I think they're kind of losing the moral high ground in a lot of ways. And the whole breastfeeding thing is just really disgusting in my point of view that we're trying to kind of control these countries in that way and kind of bully them to see right. it our way, which is kind of just gross to me. Yeah. We're having a little bit of fuzziness with your phone. We can sort of make out what you're saying, uh, Andrew, but uh, I think you might be getting some, uh, you're in Middletown. Sometimes there's a little feedback coming from the griddle at O'Rourke's Diner. Uh, you might be having that problem. But we, we get what you're saying. You're, at least I could hear with my headphones what he was saying, uh, very disappointed in America for backing off uh, the world stage, very troubled by the breastfeeding story. Um, all right, uh, we're going to go uh, down the line here. As I say, we like to get some women callers on the board. I don't have any yet. But I should tell you, speaking of women, well, first of all, that all, this show is entirely uh, produced and made possible by women uh, today. Kion Wolf is on the board. Betsy Kaplan is the producer of the show. But also, manning the phones right now, or womaning the phones right now, when you get right down to it, is our excellent intern, Zandra Ellen. And she is a mighty screener of calls. We've been using her on these uh, shows where we get lots of calls, and it's challenging to deal with the calls. And she is up to that challenge. All right, here's uh, Joe in West Hartford. Hi, Joe. You're on the air. Good afternoon. How are you this afternoon? I'm all right. Well, I wanted to bring up is America first is a good idea, but it is lost. It is a hijacked idea in messages of hate, fury, and vitriol. We really should be taking care of our own citizens to the extent that we can. I mean, it seems like we've completely forgotten about that from about, oh, Nixon onwards. And it seems like the only people who care about that are Bruce Springsteen or literary folks. We should take care of our own citizens, not to the exclusion of the rest of the world, but our own citizens should be, as the Latin goes, primus inter pares, first among equals. I, I could go along with that. And I, I don't know whether you, when you put the dividing line at Nixon, I don't know which line, side of the line you're putting him on. You know, Nixon is such an odd figure. I mean, obviously in disrepute and justifiably so. But uh, the last politician that I know of to propose a national minimum income, uh, I mean, he at least toyed with the idea of a national uh, minimum income. I mean, imagine that. I mean, that's like even Bernie doesn't do that. Um, right. So, uh, so, so Nixon's an interesting guy, and I think there's somebody who's got a book out right now called "Pay Everybody" or something like that that revives that idea. But yeah, no, I, as I was saying, I think you and I actually agree, Joe. As, as I said, everybody, every country has some version of nationalism, some version of us first. The question is, and I think you, you and I are on the same page about this: when does it become a, a way of almost? cocking a snook at everybody else, you know, and and why, when does it become essentially a repudiation of the interests of other people? Uh, and I mean, yeah, I, I would agree that the poorest among us also deserve our concern. Uh, and sure, first among equal. And nice nice use of the Latin there, too. I like that. All right. 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. Uh, here's Wendy in New York. Hi, Wendy. You're on the air. 
Uh, yeah, hi, Colin. Um, yeah, you know, uh, the breastfeeding was on this morning, and uh, they were talking about millions of babies dying from malnutrition from uh, formulas that mm. aren't that good. And to me, it's just another example of uh, American capitalism run amok. You know, they don't actually care about the people. They care about the dollar. Right. This will in this case, it does seem like it's America, uh, America, American multinational capitalism run amok. And yes, well, I don't know how old you are, but for those of us who are older and crabbier and kind of on the left, uh, I heard from one of my social media intimates today who reminded me that she will to this day not use Nestle products because of that exact reason. Um, so because of the, the way that they distribute inf infant formula in the third world for a long time. Um, all right. Well, listen, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. Thank you, Colin. All right. Uh, the number, 860-275-7266. You know, another thing I will say is that one of the things that we debate a lot, more than you might expect uh, among ourselves, is whether or not this is these shows are good to do. And we have debates. I mean, some of the debates go like this. Um, like I just like doing shows like this, you know, not all the time, but on Mondays, maybe not every Monday, but, you know, maybe a lot of Mondays just to show you, me, uh, even if I'm not 100 percent sure, <laughs> as is the case today, that I've got the right topic or whatever. I'd still rather do that, kind of put myself in a little bit of risk here uh, talking to you folks. Um, you know, there's another school of thought that says, well, no, what you should do is book a guest at the top of the show, you know, to who's super knowledge about this, about this, get the whole thing rolling. And then there's another school of thought that says, you know, maybe the listeners don't like this kind of show at all. The callers like it, but the people who just want to listen, they want to listen to you, Colin, interview somebody else who's really knowledgeable. And they maybe want to hear that three or four times over the course of the show with different guests. And they don't like this at all. So you don't have to do this when you call up, but... Uh, if you have thoughts about that one way or another, uh, you could uh, email me. It's Colin, C-O-L-I-N, at WNPR.org. That's a good way to email. Or, or we have like a Facebook fa page. There's the Colin McEnroe Show Facebook page, my own personal Facebook page. There's lots of ways to get in touch with us and let us know how you're feeling about stuff. Or you may tweet at us. You may tweet at us, at WNPR Colin on the Twitters. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. And I'm going to start with Lawrence, who's on Route 9. I hope he's using a hands-free device. Hi, Lawrence. Hi. Uh, hi, Colin. Uh, it's a hands-free device, absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to talk a bit about the, um, about the boys in, in Thailand, because there's some interesting phenomenon here in terms of altruism that, I, that comes to mind when I think of this. Um, one is that, um, you know, uh, many you know, good things happen in small measures all the time. People want to help other people, and, and sometimes they have practical advice, and they actually roll their sleeves up and get in and, and do it, but no one knows about it. This, this is, of course, has the benefit of the media, and I think it, 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 it resonates to many people who really need to see things in big life. You know, they, they need to see it on TV. They need to hear it on the radio. Then they... Then, then, then they get involved, um, maybe when they wouldn't otherwise. And, and I, I think, you know, what what struck me right away. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Route nine is he's going past one of those big ledges of rock uh, on Route nine. Oh, and he was making such an interesting, interesting point. Well, I, I think we got it, and it was a great call. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, I I'll try to embellish. I'm not sure. I hope I'm stating Lawrence's premise. Accurately, which is that, you know, if something kicks the right kinds of tripwires, it's not a subtle thing. It'll get lots of attention and resources. Right now, there's people who, you know, probably 
wouldn't give money to, say, Doctors Without Borders, which is a great organization if you want to help in a very general way people all over the world who are in all kinds of trouble uh, and want to save lives and stuff like that. I mean, there's lots of, you know, organizations that you could give to. Uh, but that's an abstraction, whereas you put like, you know, one abused dog up on Facebook and I mean, people will just, you know, everybody will want to adopt the dog, you know, or describe one deeply personal situation involving, it's not just dogs, involving people that has a storyline. People will want to help because they understand. Uh, I mean, m a lot of the problems are actually structural problems, but structural problems are less attractive to look at, even though you could probably do more at a structural level. Anyway, I hope that was Lawrence's point, and I hope uh, he's driving well. This is Wea in New Britain. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Um, I'm interested in this topic. My, my only point is that uh, our fear is revealing our ignorance. Nobody said America was last, nor will we ever be last if we think of ourselves to be very free people and free-thinking people. What we need to do is to be careful with how we marginalize ourselves from the information that has made us great. Because the reason why we are great is because everybody from every part of the globe loves America or shares some sort of information with the United States. We know more about ourselves. And all we need to pay attention to is that when we're frightened of something, it only reveals our ignorance. And that's what people keep claiming this America first. We will never be last, nor are we in competition with anybody but ourselves. That's my point. I think that's a great point. And I, I like your point also that fear uh, is enters into this. There's some, of course, so much of the rhetoric of 2015 and 2016 was about American carnage and about the way the American star had fallen in the firmament, that America wasn't great anymore, uh, all that kind of stuff. And that somehow or other, this had happened at our expense and to the advantage of people who live other places. And I don't, you know, I, I think, uh, yes, there are a lot of people who want to come here. We have a lot of resources here. We get to use a lot of resources that come from other places. Uh, it is in some ways a profligate lifestyle. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in the next segment. Um, but there are a lot of people who want to come here and enjoy our profligate use of the world's resources just the way we do. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's right. America was never going to be last. The question is, what kind of global citizen is America going to be? Uh, why don't we take a break? The number is 860-275-7266. And we're going to talk to Mark when we get back and Luke and other people. Did you give the homeless man a piece of bread? Whatever happened to humanity? Did the walls of justice turn your head? All right, we're back. The thing I'm trying to have a conversation today about is the way that I wrestle, and I think the way we all wrestle, with that notion of America first. Uh, I understand why it's very popular as a form of political rhetoric. Um, on the other hand, I also feel that, you know, if you really kind of study your own heart and your own soul and you look at things like these Thai kids who are trapped in a cave, I mean, it really doesn't make any difference to me where they're from. 
Um, I, I would be happy to have as many of our resources used for them as would be for American kids trapped in a similar kind of situation. Um, kind of coupled that up, whether it belongs together or not, with the stir this morning over the breastfeeding res uh, resolution. And there we are. That's what we're talking about. 860-275-7266. Uh, here is uh, Kavathas. Uh, Kavathas at, uh, I think, Yale Medical School. Uh, hi, you're on the air. Hi, thanks for uh, taking my call. Sure. Uh, I'm calling about the U.N. resolution. Yeah. Uh, I think this is going to lead to deaths of children. Uh, when you look at infectious diseases, the people and the death curves, the people most affected are infants and the elderly. Infants get antibodies, immune um, uh, molecules, from the mother through breast milk. And they are unable, they don't have a fully developed immune system when they're born. And so the transfer of antibodies, which is not an infant formula, is really, really important. The other thing is that um, we know that allergies are on the rise, food allergies, and uh, the uh, pediatrics is recommending that people be exposed, infants be exposed to some of these things to help develop tolerance. And some of these things actually can come through breast milk. And so that's another potential contribution to food tolerance. So it's more than just nutrition. And um, also there are complex carbohydrates that help development of the good bacteria in the gut. And the infant is born with not much gut bacteria. And that's another thing. So there are multiple, multiple reasons why breast milk is so important. And it's really an anti-science policy that they have uh, promoted. Well, first of all, thanks for that great call. See, it's like having an expert guest. You just put out the word uh, and you get that. And that was uh, an important phone call. I mean, uh, in terms of what, whether what's going to happen or whether it will have that effect, it depends on else, what else goes along with this attitude. Because as we know, so this is all before the World Health Assembly. What we know is that the resolution was proposed, I believe, initially by Ecuador. Uh, and that according to the reporting by the New York Times... Uh, multiply sourced reporting from the New York Times, the U.S. delegation fought this thing. They tried to water it down, um, which seems like an odd metaphor when we're talking about formula. But anyway, they tried to water it down. Uh, they, uh, they are alleged to have threatened reductions uh, in military aid and uh, trade policy uh, to Ecuador and, and other nations that got behind it. Um, ultimately, the resolution has prevailed thanks to Russia, which we don't say very often. Uh, and we also know that President Trump has announced the whole thing is fake news. So really, basically, we're wasting our time. This was fake news. I, I, I should have said that at the top of the show. Um, however, that would be just his position. It does look as though. So, I mean, to Kavathis's point, it you know, the resolution itself, not clear what force it would have or will have. It is going to pass. But. If, if, in fact, the Times reporting is accurate, and I believe it is, it suggests that there's a much more concerted effort to support the interests of American formula, man formula manufacturers who want to sell their product in, in these countries. And as she just very ably pointed out, there's really good reasons why that, you know, that shouldn't be the case if, in fact, the breastfeeding option is available. Uh, all right. Here's Luke. Who may something may say something different. Our number, by the way, 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. Hi, Luke. You're on the air. 
Hi, Colin. How are you? Good. So I just wanted to touch on the the, the, the breastfeeding versus the formula. Um, in some sense, I, I never thought I would ever say this out loud. I think partially it is fake news because we're we're being so divided about an issue that is never going to be one or the other. It's very clear by all science that breastfeeding is the best option. Um, but being in a community that's rife with poverty and um, not not the best um, access to good foods, um, we I visited Haiti and we would we would weigh out the food and the nutrition that we would give to a mother, um, and then we would have a scientific idea about how much weight we would see in the baby if the mother was to consume that food and breastfeed as she was supposed to. The problem in that poverty area is that often the man or the older male child who is doing work um, consumes the healthy food in the household. So I think formula has to be part of it. Um, And I think we're at a point now where um, ability to have purified water, uh, water that actually, I think that was the issue with Nestle was that they just said, here, take the formula and mix it with the well water. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need to have the dried formula is so inexpensive to ship because it's so light. And, and you, you focus on the breastfeeding and you hope that that's what they're doing. Um, but I, I don't see it as being a, 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 like an actual negative to say that formula is being shipped to these areas because it's definitely useful when you have to pack the pounds on a baby. Right. Now, I don't have the uh, exact wording of the resolution in front of me, but from the New York Times article that started this whole thing, uh, based on decades of research, the resolution says that mother's milk is the healthiest for children and countries should strive to limit the inaccurate or misleading marketing of breast milk substitutes. So, I mean, one thing that we we do know is that there's going to be more reporting about this uh, over the next couple of weeks and some of the uh, reporting uh, institutions that we, we like and trust will probably tell us a little more uh, about what's going on. Uh, but it's, uh, the, according to the Times, America, American officials sought to water down the resolution by removing language that called on governments to protect, promote, and support breastfeeding, and another passage that called on policymakers to restrict the promotion of food products that many experts say can have deleterious effects on young children. But what you say is, is, is powerful stuff, too. So, um, you know, it may be that we don't know quite enough yet. But I, I will say that if if the, if what you're saying has validity, and it sounds like it does, it seems like an odd way to get that point across by threatening to cut uh, off trade and military aid <laughs> to countries that won't yeah, say what you want to say. Yeah, I can't imagine a more strong-armed response to something that, yeah, it, I mean, that's just maddening um, on the face of it. So I hope I hope there's there's more explanation to come because it's uh, it's the whole thing's so absurd. Right. If you don't give those babies what we want them to have to eat, we're going to starve you to death. Um, all right. Eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. You know. And once again, I mean, talk about whatever you want to talk about. Talk about the kids in the cave. Talk about uh, breastfeeding uh, versus formula. But also, I, you know, somehow or other. I have the strange goal of getting the show at bigger truths. And so, I mean, I really spent a lot of this this weekend trying to figure out what the bigger truth is here. How, how do we understand our own interests as opposed to the interests of the wider world? And I mean, it just seems clear to me that what we're called to do, whether we, whether we are religious people or humanists, is to recognize the humanity of everybody. Uh, and Lord knows 
the United States already commands a huge amount of the world's resources. There was a guy on my Facebook page today when I put all this up stuff, and he said, oh, no, always America first. The way, you know, the way that you put your uh, oxygen mask over yourself uh, before you use it to aid your kids around you. You know, that's what they tell you on the planes. <laughs> I pointed out to him, I'm, <laughs> I mean, just when you look at sort of how much of the resources the United States use. A child born in America, according, this is according to uh, the Sierra Club, a child born in the United States will create third times, three, 13 times as much ecological damage over the course of his or her lifetime as a child born in Brazil. Um, and um, as our population grows, with less than 5% of the world's population, the U.S. uses one-third of the world's paper, a quarter of the world's oil, 23% of the coal, 27% of the aluminum, and 19% of the copper. We also use a disproportionate amount of just non-renewable energy resources, metals, minerals, forest products, fish. You may have heard Terry Gross. Uh, grains, meat, even fresh water. So, you know, I mean, if you're going to use that air mask analogy, it's kind of like we've been sitting there huffing on the air, air, airliner air mask for the last three hours. And now we're thinking about letting like a one third world kid have a hit off of it. I mean, we, we, we're pretty good at putting ourselves first. That America first stuff, it's never been something you need affirmative action to do. It's kind of naturally where we go. All right. Here's uh, Jackie in West Hartford. Hi, Jackie. You're on the air. Hi, Colin. Um, I just want to um, state that um, Unfortunately, women and children are pretty much very commonly victims. And I, I think that a mother has to be extremely strong, especially these days we're all working. I mean, gosh, what I did, pumping in bathrooms. I'm an engineer, mm-hmm. men all around me. But, you know, in the end, if we are created to feed our babies our milk. And right. I understand we're talking about, you know, other countries, and and it's it's not just people who have the comfort of eating a healthy meal every day, or women, I should say. But it's so critical that time against the chest, with you know the the skin to skin, the perfect temperature that the milk comes out of our bodies, mm. the weight loss for the mother. My goodness, you know, there's just so many things that I think <laughs> all for money. You know, that that we're taking away from other women, maybe not American women, but for money. You know, it's all right. Well, listen, thanks for your call. Uh, I'm just going to move on here. Uh, we'll go up here to Tony in Boston. Here's Tony. Hi, Tony. You're on the air. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Uh, interesting topic. Um, my, my thought was that, uh, and you asked a question, which I thought was a good one. I think the America First has two things. First of all, it's very short-sighted. It's not looking at systemic uh, issues. It looks at, for example, the terrorists. We A handful of steel workers and not the thousands of workers in other industries and other areas that might be affected. And I think it's part by the temperament of the leadership in charge. It's an arrogance and bullying aspect on the one hand, and on the populist side, uh, people feeling frustrated and angry because the system seems to be uh, rigged against them and they don't have a good understanding of where that's coming from. So it's an emotional reaction. Um, and regarding, if I may, the uh, breast milk thing, uh, we've met the boob, and he is us. Uh, <laughs> we are not um, 
it's 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 just not scientific and it again it's self-serving and self-important and doesn't look at larger issues all right fake news fake news uh all right should I, i'll take ron and then we're going to go to a break we've also got a lot of other good calls on the board i'll give out the phone number as we get into the break that was tony thank you tony uh here's ron from manchester hi ron you're on the air hi how are you good you need to turn your radio down otherwise you'll be sucked into a time space vortex okay let me just move it to another channel <laughs> All right. Am I still there? Yep. Okay. Uh, just a short comment. Uh, I was talking to some friends this morning about it, that in many ways I think we as a people have forgotten that the government is of the people, by the people, and for the people. And we have turned over to Congress a responsibility which is ours. Ours is we send them to Congress to represent us, but we can never give up our authority to direct them. And when we do, we end up in a situation where we have a Congress that's walking around in circles looking for a leadership when we are the leaders and we have to help our Congress to know how to, to guide us. Uh, and I think we need to uh, be able to pick up that leadership. All right. Yeah. Well, obviously, yes. I mean, this government doesn't work without involved and engaged citizenry. This whole model, the Republican model of government won't work. Small r. Republican model of government won't work without a strong, smart, engaged citizenry. I actually do think, at least at the level of electoral politics, that that Congress is responsive to voting blocks. (laughs) I mean, if anything, they may be too responsive to voting blocks, but they're not in the business of doing things that their constituents don't like, which is why they so rarely take courageous stands. Anyway, and meanwhile, of course, uh, in the case of uh, of the House of Representatives, the country's all gerrymandered up so that, you know, they really only have one group of constituents to whom they have to answer. Uh, all right, uh, why don't we take that break, and we'll come back. Uh, Sarah and other callers, wait, and we'll come back to you. I'm looking for humanity I'm looking for humanity. humanity. Here's what I think is fair. If the Trump administration is going to oppose breastfeeding, he should only be allowed to access stripper formula. Today's show was produced by Betsy Kaplan and me, Kion Wolf, with help from Zandra Ellen. The part of Bill Curry was played by Boutros Boutros Golly. On tomorrow's show, we revisit the secret lives of bees. And now, back to Colin. All right. We are indeed back. We are doing an all-call show here. This is the third and final stretch of that show, 860-275-7266. The question I posed at the beginning is, what are the limits of America first? You know, at what point does that become less an expression of reasonable nationalism and more of a repudiation of the rest of the world? Uh, And to what degree do we have to maybe have some kind of obligation to countermand that at times and say, not always America first, the world first, humanity first. All right, uh, we're going to go to the phones here. As I said before, we'll start with Sarah, then we're going to go to Kathy. Um, Hi, Sarah, you're on the air. Hi, Colin. This is this is ridiculous. What are you dudes talking about? Like, these are women's bodies. I don't think that Trump or um, Bannon or any of them understand how a woman's body works. But, like, imagine if we had a panel of Hillary Clintons who are like, okay, the men got to get vasectomies. It's 
it's really, it's kind of scary being a woman. And I don't know where the female representation is. Um, certainly not Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I, I just, it's, it's a little scary. Um, I don't blame you for thinking it's a little scary. And this certainly isn't. I mean, I don't know who's on the U.S. delegation to the World Health Assembly. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was all male. There are an awful lot of things in the Trump administration that are all male that shouldn't be. Uh, and yes, um, I mean, one thing that's emerging here in this conversation is that particular issue is more layered and complicated than anybody's making it. Um, and it's something that we I probably all need to do a little bit more research on uh, or, or a lot more research on. But I mean, the one thing that we do know about the, at least from the reporting that's come out so far, is that the U.S. response on this isn't a helpful response. It isn't a response of saying, you know what, maybe this resolution goes a little bit too far just because there are instances, as laid out by one of our callers, I think it was Luke, um, where formula can step in and play a role where women aren't getting enough nutrition to produce uh, breast milk, at least not initially, um, you know, maybe there's a way in which we need to rethink that. Well, that's not what apparently the U.S. delegation did. They basically said, no, you can't say this stuff. You can't say negative stuff about formula. And if you do, we're, we're going to hit you at the level of trade and military aid. So that seems like us not being part of a helpful consensus-seeking world. All right, here's uh, Kathy in North Haven. Hi, you're on the air. Thank you, Colin. Um, my opinion on... America great, making America great again. Uh, America is already great again, and I think that what sets us apart from the rest of the world is that we do care, our humanitarian efforts. And I think that um, the leadership that we have uh, is serving a different God than my God. Uh, you can't serve two gods, and his um, God has always been part of his pocketbook, uh, his wallet. And that's not where most of America is. Um, there are times that it's important to do the right thing for people here, but it's always important for all lives um, that we matter and that we care and we share. We're privileged living in the United States, and we forget that. We, for, we forget how bad the rest of the world has it. And we are a privileged society, and we need to do our part to step up and take care of others that can't take care of themselves. Yes. And again, Kathy, Kathy, this is an imprecise statement coming from me. But um, over the course of 40 years as a journalist, it has struck me that the people who say, oh, we shouldn't worry about those people in other places until we've taken care of our own poor are never the people who on other occasions are advocating taking care of our own poor. <laughs> the, the people who want to take care of the poor in America often are, I mean, the people who are involved in, in, in charitable work who give tremendous amounts of their time and effort to worrying uh, about nutrition and housing and the incredible problem of poverty in this country are also very aware of the poverty in other countries. The people, right. who, the people who don't want to help out other countries because they say we should help our own people first are not on the other sunny days interested in doing that. There's a, a book, um, several books out by Sally McFig, and she is a um, feminist theologist, and she talks about how privileged the United States is and what we can do and, and our impact on the environment and, and how much we have a responsibility. If we're so great, then along with that greatness comes great responsibility. We have to be um, the, the 
role models for the rest of the world to help each other. Um, I couldn't have said it better. Thank you for saying it that way, Kathy. Our number is 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. Yes, according to the Sierra Club, the average American will drain as many resources as 35 natives of India and consume 53 times more goods and services than someone from China. We already are America first. By the way, I'm so glad she brought that up because, uh, you know, it's one of the things that I've now trained myself to look for. Uh, is the kind of diversionary tactic. I mean, we sometimes call it whataboutism. Although this isn't exactly whataboutism. It's, um, no, the other thing is the problem. And, and, I, and it comes up sometimes with gun control. Whenever you're uh, talking about gun control, if you're proposing uh, diminishing access to certain kinds of weapons and stuff like that, um, there's a whole bunch of people who step forward and say, that's not the problem. The problem is mental health. That's the problem. And I always think, well, I mean, look, we have basically the same mental health problems here as there are mental health problems anywhere else. I mean, there's not that much uh, national variation on that, but we have way more problems with violence with guns. So it seems to me it's unlikely that it's mental health. But what I do always ask them is, so when there's any kind of push for expanded government funding of mental health programs... Uh, here in the United States or here in Connecticut where you live or whatever, you're, you're right there at the forefront, right? We can count on you to, to push for that, to push your uh, elected representative for that, to maybe even show up and testify for that. I mean, I've even asked um, gun ownership uh, advocates had public hearings at the state capitol when they're, they're up there saying, no, no, it's a mental health problem. I always say, oh, good, because so when the mental health budget is up, you're going to be back here at the capitol, right? You're coming back here to advocate for funding for mental health because you've identified that as a much bigger priority than gun control. Well, they're never going to do that. And, and it's very similar. The people who say we should take care of the American poor, they don't really want to take care of the American poor. They just don't want to spend any money overseas. The people who want to take care of the American poor are a different group of people. All right. We have a little bit of time uh, uh, left. Uh, 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. And here's uh, Chris in Woodbury. Hi, Chris. You're on the air. Yes. Hi. Thank you for taking the call. I, I would love to expand on this, but boy, this I'm so glad you brought it up. This first America first just bothered me from the beginning for all the reasons that have already been mentioned. But what I hear with this is this privileged, wealthy person just, he's really yelling, me first, me first, me first. He's probably spent his life that way, and it's just, it's so annoying because that is so un-American. It's unbelievable. Uh, many years ago, we used to hear of uh, traveling countries, uh, people traveling in foreign countries talking about the ugly American, mm -hmm. you got it. We put them in office. That's, that's just the attitude and, uh, that he expresses in my mind. That, that's what I hear, him yelling me first. That's not America. And we do consume most of the wealth in the world. It's just a sad state of affairs. All right, uh, Chris, thank you very much for your call. I, I, I think what the tragedy is, is that we could send so different a message uh, about ourselves. And we have at times. I mean, I talked about this last week. America's never been a perfect place, and our role in the world has been fraught with imperfections. And, you know, I mean, we've done many of the kinds of things that we object to when other people do them, including destabilize other nations' governments and 
aid paramilitary operations in other places. And I mean, we, we do bad things, but we have an ideal and we're at least aware of when we depart from that ideal. And part of the American ideal is that because of our tremendous wealth, because of our tremendous resources, we will always have a role to play in, in the rest of the world. And, and I think America First, the way it was laid out as a slogan in 2015 and 2016, is a violation of that notion. Um, and, and, and the argument, somebody earlier on in the show, we, uh, I think, talked about fear. It really wasn't. It's an argument based on fear. It's an argument saying, you know, what if there's not enough? What if there's not enough for you? Don't you feel already as though there's not enough? Don't you feel already as though things that you used to have you don't have anymore. Um, and, and, and don't you suppose that the reason for that is someone living somewhere else who's taking the things that were yours? Um, you know, there's, some, there's a little bit of truth in, in, in every piece of demagoguery. There's a lot of kinds of jobs that did go to other places, and there are jobs that just don't exist anymore. But with America's incredible resources, natural resources, and, and educational resources. There's no reason we can't always be a competitive country, country, but we also need to learn to be other things. And one of the things that we've never learned to be is to be a sustainable country. We are, you know, we tend to be dead last in sustainability, even when paired up against other industrialized uh, nations. We're profligate and wasteful in the way that we consume uh, resources. We can be better that way. And we can also be better in acknowledging that, yes, even if you feel as though your kids may not enjoy the incredible life that you have lived or that you haven't enjoyed the incredible kind of life that your parents lived, your life is already still so far ahead of life in the rest of the world. So don't forget that. Don't forget that we're all tied together. We're all conjoined. Uh, the planet gets smaller every day. Thanks very much for helping out today with your phone calls. Thanks also to Kion Wolf on the board, Betsy Kaplan producing. Zandra Ellen had the hardest job today. She took all those phone calls, did a great job. She's a good intern. We're going to be back tomorrow.